This is the Sound the Foghorn Podcast. Fiala intercepts again, trying to find the handle on it. He does, he scores! What a play by Fiala! Your number one podcast for the Minnesota Wild. Now I'm proud to select with the ninth pick in the 2020 draft from the Ottawa 67s of the OHL, Marco Rossi. Covering their prospects, the NHL, AHL, news, advanced stats, and much more. Sets up Molino, back to Boldy, shoots, and scores! The BC Kid returns home and scores his first. Goes to work for the Wild, centers one, Erickson Eck with a shot, he scores! Jewel Erickson Eck, he's the hero. Poked away Kaprizov, in for a chance to win it, he scores! And now, here are your hosts, Brett Marshall, Zeke Boyat, and Justin Buck. Welcome in to the very, very nice 69th episode of Sound the Foghorn. Uh, Brett Marshall joined, as always, by Zeke Boyat, Justin Baki, Sam Uren joining us later on in the show as well. Uh, we apologize we weren't able to get a show last week. Just some chaos, mostly on my part, as I prepared to embark uh, to Florida to become a Florida man uh, for five days as I go on vacation here on Friday. So I've been prepping for that, but uh, able to squeeze it in this week is one of the last things I do before I get out of the cold state. Um, and that snowstorm reminded me why I uh, want to go on vacation. I'm going to get out of here and go play a little bit of golf. But enough about me. Uh, it's been a little while since we've all chatted. So Zeke, my friend, how you doing? How you been? Yeah, not too bad. Just been, uh, you know, not, not much going on last week. Just watching games at night. Uh sitting around reading you know doing whatever uh, not much new but it's uh like i said after a week off it's uh it's nice to be back talking to you guys tonight absolutely and justin what about you my friend doing well tonight was uh <clears throat> miko's last night of outdoor hockey and he unfortunately had to miss it because he wasn't feeling well but uh kind of getting in the emotions a little bit it's uh, about three weeks left of his first season and it's been awesome to watch him and the daughter is in dance, just busy, 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 running around doing all that stuff. And of course, catching the wild games, but uh, doing well and uh, very excited to record again after two weeks with this very, very nice episode. Yeah, it's going to be a nice episode. Um, feel free to hit us <laughs> with the nice in the comments as well. Uh, leave reviews as we always, and five star reviews. We always appreciate that. Um, if by the time listening to this podcast you haven't already, be sure you check out the uh, weekly episode that we, the bonus episode that we post that previews the other Minnesota Wild, the Minnesota Sports Podcast in our network. That's a collaboration uh, headed up by Ishan Hoppy of the Soda Pod. So be sure to check that out if you're looking for some more wild content because you know you can never have too much. Um, but uh, yeah, so let's jump into our show here. I guess we'll start as we always do uh, with the prospect update and uh, our resident prospect expert is Justin. So I'll go ahead and take it away uh, with what's been going on with the prospects the last few weeks. Uh, quite a bit. Actually, I'll kind of touch on the main points. I still have quite a bit with that. Uh, Jack McBain is back at BC. I think they play Boston University coming up. He missed time with injuries. 
then of course his stint in the Olympics where Canada was eliminated, he scored a goal. It was pretty cool to see. Um, kind of a surprising Olympics between him and Henches, who also scored a goal for USA and neither team medaled or made it to the medal games, which is kind of crazy in itself, but uh, not reminiscent of the miracle on ice team. No. CNN. <laughs> Definitely not. That was uh, I saw that article. I'm like, what are we doing here? <laughs> yeah. Like, did, did they realize Twitter that like well. the best hockey players in the world were all playing in the NHL and like not a single one of them was at the Olympics. <laughs> Twitter is a free platform. Remember that. Yeah. Free yeah, entertainment, I true. suppose. <laughs> yeah. Uh, man. Jesper Wallstead. Last start was pretty tough. He allowed four goals, but I think the main thing to take out of it, it sounds like he got injured. Uh, his team, Lilia, I don't know how to truly say that, but they're holding their breath. waiting to find out. Lulea, is it? Yeah. I'm terrible at that, but they're, they're trying to find out how serious the injury is. Uh, no confirmed skeletal damage from what I saw. And I uh, also read he originally thought it was cramps, but it wasn't. So keep our fingers crossed with that. Mm-hmm. Wonder if it could be like a hernia or something, maybe. Maybe. I just hope it's not too serious. <laughs> uh, Philip Johansson. Yep. Sure. Yeah. Philip Johansson, another Swedish hockey league player. He's on a th- he's riding a three game point streak right now. Uh, who knows what'll end up happening with him and his contract if he gets offered one or whatnot? But kind of cool to see him stepping up again. Kind of goes and uh, ebbs and flows. But uh, he's on a, a flow right now. So, And Carson Lambos had a two-point night versus Edmonton. He's now up to 27 points in 26 games, having a good season. Good to see him up to over a point-per-game player as a defenseman. Uh, Iowa, they have been on a slide lately, kind of coinciding with the Wild slide. They've lost their last four. But they've had a couple players that we'll kind of touch on in the next segment uh, that have been playing well. And then uh, Pavel Novak has six points in, the la- in his last five games. He had a four-point night that included a hat-trick, and I believe the game-winning goal that was about a week and a half ago. He's up to 54 points in 42 games, having a really good season. Wouldn't be surprised to see him get offered a entry-level contract at the end of the season. And then Damon Hunt continues to score goals for Moose Jaw. Uh, he's tied for the WHL lead for goals by a defenseman with 14 right now, so... Lots of good things, lots of couple not-so-good things, but uh, there's your prospect update for the last about week and a half, two weeks or so. Zeke, any takeaways at all? Anything you wanted to react to there? I mean, I guess not much. I think the other thing, too, is uh, I was when I was listening to Russo's show with the Panther the other day, I think this might have been a couple weeks old, but I believe that Ryan O'Rourke get hurt recently, too, as well, because I know he hasn't played for oh, a couple yeah, he weeks. Hasn't, he hasn't been in yeah. games. Like, <clears throat> I missed that. <laughs> Yeah. So and I think the other thing too that I noticed uh I don't I didn't read the article but I saw somewhere that it was interesting that uh, apparently Corey Prom had an article of prospects that could be moved and apparently Carson Lambos was on there which I if true I thought was kind of interesting cuz it's you know from what we've fact they signed him two months before it kind of seems like they like him but uh, I guess that's really all I had to add kind of a note there. Yeah, I think it that might just come from the fact that um, you know, you many. look at what the Wild have invested on the blue line with yeah. Brodeen, Spurgeon. Um, you know, you just extended Merrill three years. You have Addison. Um, so if you project this kid as a top four, you mm-hmm. know, maybe it's you get something that helps you now. 
versus down the road if you know you have a belief in a in a Damon Hunt or a mm-hmm. Ryan O'Rourke to be more of maybe that third that third pairing. I think it makes sense. Like, do you I mean you never want to trade? You know. Yeah. A first round pick the year after you take him, in my opinion, I mean, yeah. you look what happens with like a guy like Alex Tuck, right? Um, you know, never really got a look, and all of a sudden he explodes. And like, gosh, it would be nice to have that guy. But and these are the types of decisions when you know you've developed a team like the Wild have that are in a you know a contender status, have a deep prospect pool. Not everybody can play, and you know it, it makes those mm-hmm. guys certain guys expendable. And um, I think just one of the many moving parts that will be worth paying attention to as we head into the trade deadline and the off season and draft season is just what the Wild decide to do um, with with every moving piece that they're that they're going to be having. Yeah, right. And that that's kind of the double edged sword of having a good prospect pool. It's a good problem to have, but yeah, you're definitely not going to see all these guys like you mentioned and another guy like Jack Pert. I mean, you just have all these guys that are just. I mean. They're all not going to make the lineup, like you mentioned. I'm just repeating what you said, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's. Mm-hmm. I mean, a good problem to have if if you want to try and make a run, you can trade one of these guys and hopefully help you get a piece for now and in the future. Yeah. I think for me, what I would be cautious with though is, you know, I would hopefully look to keep a guy like Lambos. I think because he does have more mm-hmm. of that legit mm-hmm. top four upside. Spurgeon right. and Brodine are only getting older. Um, you don't know what the future holds for Matt Dumba. And you're gonna you're gonna need someone, you know. I think Keon Addison's more of that offensive type, where Lambos is more of that bigger body, two way type defenseman. You're gonna need guys that are eventually gonna need to step in there in three, four years. And if you can have those guys on team friendly deals, I think that's gonna be key. So I don't right. think I would personally mm-hmm. look to trade for him or trade him because um, I don't know if you know a an O'Rourke or even like a Pert or someone maybe has that that top four two way upside that Lambos might bring, but. Uh, more just a personal opinion there right all right well moving right along i guess we can jump into uh, some game recap since we last recorded one, two three four five i counted correctly six games um which is a sharp difference from episodes earlier in january where it was like one game between recordings we take two weeks off and they play every other day and now we've got six games to recap so i don't want to sp- we probably won't dwell too much on a lot of these but i think an obvious place to start would be the Carolina game, which I think, argue, yeah. I think without a doubt, in these last six games is probably the best game that they've played, um, start to finish. Um, since we played, they come out that game three two win. Um, got a little dicey late with Andrei Svechnikov showing why he's so freaking good, <clears> getting two goals. He's so good. Um, late, but the Wild end up holding on. Um, that was probably the, also the last time Kim Talbot played well. Um, on top of that, but uh, let's start there. Um, I was at that game, got to watch it from the glass, um, and it just seemed like, you know, I don't know if you can, the, the pace from that level of the ice just seemed like it was just constant back and forth. It felt like a playoff atmosphere. The fans were rowdy. It's just a super fun game start to finish. Yeah, I think, you know, obviously, like you said, it was a, it was a great game. I mean, not it took a while to get the scoring going. I, I don't remember exactly. I think it was late second when Fiala sniped that one right over just barely he's right over freddie anderson's yep. blocker that was a sweet short goal, side but uh, score just yeah that was just awesome and i mean i mean obviously like we'll talk about a little bit he's been great pretty much every game since then but you know like you said but i think that was true that you know the whole game um, i think what as we'll see what they've gotten away from after that is not playing at that speed pace game and, and as he said that's exactly what they did against carolina at home i mean yeah obviously then when they got up three nothing they it you know, to be honest, I, I didn't. I thought they were going to tie it somehow because it was 
especially uh, last five minutes, it was every time there was a defensive zone face-off, it was just an automatic lose the face-off. Here comes yeah. Aho three shots. Aho was destroying us in the die. Yeah. <clears throat> and I think it might have been him who had that one chance, like eight seconds left, or, or somebody who I think uh, had a rebound right in front of the crease and like half the net, and they hit the outside of the post. You know, basically should have tied it. And, and I know you mentioned Svechnikov, Brett. I remember he had another chance mm. to get the hat trick, I think. They showed the behind the net shot and it just whistled right by the uh, far post and because he was standing alone on the left circle the yep. whole time. It's not a guy you want to leave like alone. Kind of like Like maybe you guys want to cover him. But uh, but as you said too, uh, you know, obviously uh, I think, you know, it's just a great game and uh, you know, obviously you don't like to let off the gas pedal when you get a lead like that. But I think it's kind of natural and, uh, you know, despite the last few days, I, I think I agree with you too that the, that was – that's been one of the games this year, probably that uh, can't tell, but has actually played, uh, you know, his best hockey. But it was a, you know, it was it was a really fun win, awesome game to watch. Yeah, I was going to bring up Cam Talbot. Uh, played well in that one, but he already touched on that. I mean, really, I felt like we played him really well up until they started to come back. I mean, we were still playing well, but then I started getting nervous. I was like, Carolina's one of those teams that just they can come back on you, kind of like we come back on teams and. When it went up three to two, I was just mm-hmm. so nervous. But I mean, looking at the numbers, we outside of the faceoffs, we outplayed them pretty well on a lot of the numbers on, you know, hits and and blocks and give. Uh, I mean, giveaways. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> you know, it, it it was a fun game to watch and, and good to see the the crowd getting into it like that and, and a possible knock on wood Stanley Cup matchup. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, and I think just the thing that I was looking most forward to going into that game was just like you look at those teams on paper and just how similar they are. You know, they have kind of top two lines that will come at you with your scoring. You have, you know, a bottom six that can chip in but is going to play hard defensively. You've got a really strong, really strong blue line, you know, goaltending that can be shaky at times but when it's on, it's on. I think, you know, they look at even the, the level of star caliber players with a guy like Ajo, Svechnikov. You kind of compare him to maybe a Kaprizov, NFL. Like, it's just there's so many parallels between those two teams, and I think just it made for such a fun game. I think they play the game similarly, and, um, man, if we could watch a game like that every night, that would be fun. Um, yeah. I guess we can kind of move next to uh, – we can talk briefly about Detroit. Um, kind of a mm-hmm. – a fire sale game, seven to four, 11 total goals scored yeah. on the wild, get a bunch in the power play and get up big. And I think get a little loose defensively and a couple breakdowns here and there that Detroit capitalizes on. I think they <laughs> fell down. Was it two nothing early in that one? And then just to explode and, you know, eventually came out on top. I didn't think it was their best game, um, but ultimately, no. you know, kind of like Edmonton the other night, they can kind of hit two at one similar situation. Um, where they win that one seven to three, um, and I apparently tweeted something very controversial during that game and saying that I didn't really like the effort. I mean, yeah, it was great to you know score seven times, but you know when Mike mm-hmm. Smith allows four goals in the first seven shots, I mean, I, at some point you got to point and say, yeah, you know the, this goalie sucked. Um, I didn't really feel like they were in either game really like doing a whole lot to establish the forecheck, establish the zone time, you know, kind of lock down defensively. It just it still feels like there's this trend of playing a little too loose in all three zones at times. And it's, you know, against some of these better teams like Florida, um, you know, a couple times against Winnipeg, it's just seemed like it's kind of hurt them. Um, you know, they get too loose and they start turning the puck over and it's resulting in goals and leaving our goalies hang, hung out to dry as well. Right. And yeah. <clears throat> that's, I, 
I mean, you don't like seeing it. I mean, the season it has ebbs and flows, and you know we went through that five game losing streak before, and then come out win what like nine games in a row. So I'm hoping that they can correct some of the stuff that that looks less than par. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, they've won a couple games like you mentioned against Detroit and Edmonton, but outside of that, I don't really feel like, especially Ottawa. Ottawa's a winnable game that you know you kind of expect to win. I mean, I think it happened in NHL, but. With things yeah. as tight as they are in the central, you 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 want to win those games. And you mm. know, going back to the Detroit game, I, I think it was pretty awesome to see Baldy get his hat trick, his first career hat trick. Yeah, that absolutely. Was awesome. I, and then you know, you Twitter just nearly self destructed. Right. You see the stars <laughs> and the young young kids shining that one. I mean, you get Kaprizov getting a goal and Eck getting getting one, and of course, Detroit has their Lucas Raymond. And I mean, it was just yeah. I mean, tough start. Going down to nothing, but <clears throat> come running back with all these goals, it was it was good to see. Yeah, I think you know that was an example of you know kind of this year. Even when they fall down to nothing or like that, most of the time you're like, okay, you know they're gonna at least tie this right. game. You just, especially I mean against Detroit, obviously they're you know their record isn't great, but they are much better than you know going 17 and 54 like they did a couple of years ago, and you know they can score, but. I will say that the the uh, first goal that Dylan Larkin scored when Jordy uh, Ben fell on his ass, I you know I wasn't even pissed. I was just laughing out. I was cackling out loud in my thing, saying, "Oh, he just falls out on his ass the second he enters, crosses the blue line." And it's like, uh, I mean, he has. It's like I, I don't feel bad from in a way, but it's like, oh, that is just uh, that was the perfect play to just sum up uh, his struggles. And I mean, obviously, you know, it didn't did not end up mattering. You know, like I said, the support on the offense. I mean, that. Uh, you know, that Kaprizov-Zuccarello goal was just another example of them. Oh. I mean, they went basically two on five into the zone, uh, making passes through, like, three guys. And, you know, it's, I just wonder how you can you – know, how that's even possible sometimes. But, you know, I, I don't know. It was it was a great game. But I will say to the other game, uh, the, the Florida game, just transitioned there. Uh, you know, that was – you know, I was there. That was probably the first time. You know, this year I've been to probably, I think, six games or whatever. But even watching a TV, that might have been the quietest I've heard it in there all year. Like, they didn't play horrible. It wasn't like a boring game. But it, it just seemed, you, know, you could just, they had a great start. You know, it was, you were thinking, hey, they're skating fast after getting, you know, I think a top loss in Winnipeg. You know, they're going to come out at home and, and play great and all that. But I, I think, you know, that, I mean, we saw it when they were in Florida this year, I think. That's been, even though they've, you know, obviously we know Colorado's great, but that's probably been the, you know, the best team that they've seen this year. And it's like been the only time, you know, that I've really seemed to watch this team where, you know, you could definitively say 100% that uh, the the opposite side was for sure a step or two above them. And I mean, it it, it was just, it was, and that, that was just, it was just frustrating game because it was another example, as Brett said, of being way too sloppy. I mean, every time they, would uh, you know they'd get try to break the puck out and they just lose it, turn it over at their own blue line instead of just you know like Dean Nelson said after the game, just like all these other teams, the second they get the puck, it's going back up the ice and and I think that's been another theme is that they've just been. I mean, we saw it in Ottawa last night. They just the puck's been like kind of like a hot potato to a lot of the guys in the team recently for whatever reason. And yeah, you know, I, I felt there's some similarities between the Ottawa game and the Florida game, and just that too. It seems mm-hmm. like every time they would kind of seem to get momentum back, they'd shoot themselves in the foot by either taking a penalty yep. or you know giving up some sort of soft goal. And not necessarily the goaltending, but you know it's some 
weird yeah. defensive breakdown or some weird carom and all of a sudden like the pucks in the back of the net and like and everything you know they just spent five minutes getting momentum back mm-hmm. now it's just gone again off that one off that one little hiccup um that felt very true for both those games at least to me for sure right yeah i, I want to add with that florida game it seemed like we started getting momentum i'm usually for dean's calls with pulling the goalie but pulling it with <laughs> close to seven minutes left was kind of like yeah that was strange but yeah. they should have in my opinion, and I'm not the coach, obviously, and I'm not as good of a brain, but see what you can do. You're only down two goals. You score one with this momentum that you have. I felt they were playing pretty well, and then pull the goalie when you feel it's right from there. But, uh, yeah. yeah, they they really didn't have it. <laughs> no. I mean, it was that game was tough because – I mean, like I said, they you know they scored that you know they pulled the power play goal down three with nine minutes left. It's like mm-hmm. you know they've done that a bunch of times this year. You know where they've actually gone like eight minutes with the goalie pulled, not you know not getting right. scored on. So at that point, it's fine because it, it seemed like a last ditch effort that you know you got to score three and yeah. At that point, you're down I, three I, and you're on the yeah. power place. So you're six on four, so you got two extra guys. Like it makes sense there. Um, but then yeah. yeah, I'm totally with you, Justin. Like I maybe would have seen, hey, can we score in these next three minutes? Okay, no. Okay, mm-hmm. now we pull and go for two. You right. know, four, yeah. three and a half, four minutes yeah. left. Yeah. Especially because you had the, you know, after they scored that second goal, you finally got the crowd into the game. It's they had a couple of chances. I mean, Greenway mm-hmm. had a nice rush down the ice that had a good scoring chance off. And I mean, I mean, obviously, you know, six to two is probably more indicative of the actual score, even though it was two empty netters, anyways. I mean. Aaron Ekblad hit two posts in like a span of a minute. And obviously Jared Spurgeon made probably the best save of the game in the first period yeah. on Sam Reinhardt too. So yeah. uh, it probably, you know, obviously it, it didn't really end up mattering, but uh, you know, uh, just, you know, it was just a frustrating game all around for sure. Right. Cool. And I guess kind of the one game, I guess we haven't really talked about or two, I guess left is the Winnipeg loss, which, I think just copy paste that we talked about the last time we played Winnipeg right. and apply it here. <laughs> um, I think the, the biggest thing for me is like I, I had tweeted out before, like, hey, I don't want the Wild to get into the to the crap, but to me, I felt like they didn't even hardly want to engage physically at all, um, right. and it, they just kind of got pushed around, and that this game just got away from them. Um, but I don't think too much talk about there. They ultimately lose that game, uh, six to three, not their best effort. And then they do get a win the other night in Edmonton, uh, seven to three. Again, we talked about just Mike Smith. Um, what did he end Oof. up? Did they pull him after the fourth? Was it after four and seven, or was yeah. it after the fifth? I think it was the fourth. Yeah. So after he gave up four goals in the first seven shots, I mean, don't get me wrong. There were some nice plays by the Wild, some odd man rushes, um, finding some trailers. You know, some good shots. But I mean, that's not going to happen every night. The transition game I thought was great. I thought they used their speed well, but again, just like, and, and maybe they didn't, weren't able to establish the four check is because they'd get in the zone and they would score, right? <laughs> it's hard to establish <laughs> offense if you score on the entering rush. And maybe that's something in hindsight that I could have looked at there too. But um, it just, again, it just felt a little loose. And some people pointed out too, it's like, well, when you go up four, maybe you, you pull off the gas a little bit. But I'm like, yeah, I get that. But like, I just feel like the while they're in a position, you know, they were coming off of two straight losses at that point. That'd be the game I'd like to see him. All right, now we're going to really focus in. We're going to start doing things the right way. We're going to start building the good habits. Let's beat these guys. I think Zeke, didn't you? You might have tweeted, like, get to 10. Or someone, I think, in, on the Wild yeah, was like, get, get to 10. Like, let, let's do it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's what I, yeah, yeah that's well, what I want to see. Like, just bury these guys. Like, kind of like what they did um, when they crushed Chicago um, a couple weeks yeah. back, where they just, like, yeah. seemed to never really let off the gas. And I just felt like they did a little bit in that game, which is that, that's where the frustration was for me. Is it just like, 
keep it going. Um, but aside from that, um, I mean, a win is a win, and seven goals is seven goals. So hard to complain too much. Well, you should. He should. I was watching some of the Edmonton Tampa game just in, in mean Mike Smith, man, whole. He wasn't any better. He let in a stamp coast thing like five seconds left, twirled around from the goal line, and he had he was like laying down like this, putting his arms up. It was yeah. pretty bad. So yeah, I don't remember where bad I that... saw the stat. I think like like in old. Smith's last six starts, he's allowed at least one goal on the first five shots in every game, and like maybe two in the first ten or something. And like each of his last six starts, it's like just brutal. It's a killer. Yeah. Just starting them off behind the eight ball to begin with. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. It's too bad they uh, don't have a goalie in their prospect system like Jesper Wallstetter had a chance to get him or anything. <laughs> yeah. you, gotta think, you gotta think they gotta be in on Marc-Andre Fleury, right? And be willing to You'd send over so. the farm or I don't know who else. Well, they've said, yeah. They got to be McDavid. Or, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Corpusalo, I read that Ken like, Holland was saying uh, – <laughs> He was saying they don't want to give up their first, second, or third round picks. It's like, well, then you don't want to fix yeah, it. Are you trading Dylan think... Holloway yeah. or yeah. Uh, Rodian Amirov? <laughs> no, he's oh, in Toronto. Speaking of Amirov, did you see the news? Uh-uh. Uh, apparently he has a, a brain tumor of some sort, so he's, uh, yeah, prayers out to him. Wow. So I'm not yeah. sure how serious it is, but it's just something I saw scrolling through Facebook. I think it was Dan Milstein posted. Crazy. Uh, email address to wish him uh, good thoughts or something, but uh, this podcast definitely wishes him good thoughts. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. Um, good thoughts as well to our uh, to our prospect Josh Pilar, who um, yes. still has not returned to the lineup as well. No really news there, but um, right. still, I believe he's back at the, with the Saskatoon Blades in his hometown mm-hmm. with some yeah. sort of injury. We're not sure what it is, but it seems serious. It's been out, I think, almost two months now, I think. Yeah, he's been out a while. <clears throat> All the best there. Well, uh, getting back on track, Zeke, anything else to add uh, from the Edmonton game? I mean, you know, not – I mean, not much. I'll think pretty much said it. It was – you know, it was – obviously, it was. it's great to just get out and lead and be kind of comfortable. I mean, yes, the Oilers did pour it on, but I will – you know, I think for the most part, you know, Anytime you play Edmonton, and I know they did score a couple times in the power play, but basically anytime you play them, if you just stay out of the box, you're going to have a pretty good chance because that's, you know, as we saw, you, everybody knows how good Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisel, et cetera, are. So, you know, I think you know, that was – they did a fairly good job of that. I don't think they allowed too many chances off the rush. They never really let uh, McDavid get going with his speed. So, and I mean, I think, you know, we've seen that. Uh, Jonas Brodeen made several good plays in him, as, as usual, as, as Great on him, but I mean, yeah, nothing, to, nothing more to add there aside from, I mean, you know, like you said, Edmonton goalies, and I will say though, their defense is ain't very good either because you had Darnell Nurse like on that Fiala goal. He just, I know he's toe dragging. It's like, dude, stay on your feet, man. Yeah. I mean, that's the guy they paid nine and a half million dollars to, yep. which is still mind blowing. But yeah, no, but it's I guess you can't entirely blame it all on their goalies when you're just gonna let everybody walk right in, just yeah. snipe away. But. Fair. And I th- speaking of their defense, um, at J Fresh Hockey on Twitter did a survey about like where fans think certain players will end up. And I think every big name defenseman that's on the trade market, I think, was like voted in the top was like a top two option for Edmonton. Like every single one of like Edmonton's at least gonna acquire one, maybe two defensemen and probably a goalie, like and like Zeke, like you said, I don't know how you plan to do that without trading a first, second, and a third. Yeah. Like you have McDavid well, and Drysdale. What the fuck are right. you waiting for? Like you need yeah. to go for yeah. it. Figure it out, Ken Holland. My God. 
they have some good players outside of that too that they've drafted because they've drafted high so many years. But yeah, yeah. this just seems like they don't want to nine nine top ten draft picks or something <laughs> since like whatever like two thousand five or whatever. Like just and they still yeah. can't. They, they can't figure. It. It's it's insane. But, you know, um, they'll have, yeah, okay, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Enough about the Oilers. Um, next thing we have to talk about here, and we won't hit on it too much because we did um, mm-hmm. all collectively make our case um, on our last podcast about why Capo Kakinen should be the starter going forward. Um, but if we needed anything to kind of solidify that, it's probably been the, the struggling play of Cam Talbot lately, who did take some accountability for his shakiness as of late. Um, just hasn't been on his game, and I did want to read out. Um, I guess this would kind of be the analytics segment, I guess, if you will, um, about mm-hmm. just some some stuff I dug up on Talbot last night. Um, so I don't know why I arbitrarily picked December twentieth as the date. <laughs> um, and here is la- and since then he's had nine starts. Um, and here is kind of his timeline or stats through those nine starts. So he's. Four five and zero in those starts, so losing record. In the four wins, he's allowed just five goals, has a shutout, a nine fifty two save percentage, one point eight nine goals save above expected, and has never allowed more than two goals. Like Vesna caliber stuff um, in those four wins. And then you look at the losses, um, just polar opposite. Twenty five goals against, an eight thirty four save percentage. Obviously, not a single shutout in there. 11.84 goals allowed above expected and has allowed four or more goals in all five of those starts, two of which he allowed six. Um, in regards to that last stat, just by comparison, Capo Kakinen, 19 starts all year, just three games where he's allowed four or more goals. Um, he's allowed four twice, five once. Two of those were in his first four starts of the year. And then the other start was against Detroit that he gave up four, and that was a game the Wild won. So, like, just getting back to Talbot, like, it's just, like, the stark differences we've had. We've had, like, Vesna, and then, like, guy that should be an AHL backup. And there's been absolutely zero middle ground between the two, which to me is just bizarre because that's kind of what he was beginning of the year as we just saw, you know, he was playing very average, getting the job done the Wild are getting wins. And now it just seems like, Every start, it's like there's one or two goals that are like, oh my god, you gotta have that. Um, you know, maybe arguably two last night. The first goal, you know, obviously a little bit of a defensive breakdown, but he's out the top of the crease. He's square to the puck, gets beat short side, and then late in the game, tied. You know, a, a wrister comes from the point. Yes. Granted, it hits the stick of Callan Addison, but again, if you stay on your feet there, that probably just bounces off your shoulder. The game goes on. You maybe have a chance to win that game later in the game or in overtime, and it just seems like. At the worst possible time, it feels a little bit like late Dubnik where it's like, you're just like, oh, you got to have that one. And I know goaltending's not easy, and it's not always the goalie's fault, but it's just felt that like there's, it's really started to feel like there's been a couple of times. It's like, gosh, that one's on Talbot. Yeah. And I mean, I think we saw, you mentioned the inconsistency. I mean, it's kind of the same in the, the game last night after they uh, went down one or two nothing or whatever and then you know when the wild are on the power play you know they're the ones who give up breakaway two on one and you come up with a big save but then as you mentioned to let up you know goals especially i mean i don't know they obviously didn't play perfect last night and you know uh, i was kind of on the you know it's not all the goalies fault bandwagon but i you know to be honest that the the last one kind of changed me a little bit because as you said brett i mean if shots coming from way out the blue line like you know you, you just got to stop it i mean it, 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 regardless of whatever happens but yeah no it's uh 
it's I mean it's concerning because I mean but like I mean as you mentioned it's kind of hard because the first four or five games before that going to the all-star break I think he had like a 945 save percentage in five games or something like that and you know maybe we didn't, you didn't think he's going to keep up that play but you thought okay maybe we can get you know at least just a little bit more maybe not more consistency in the fact of not allowing you know four or five goals every time he starts because mm-hmm. although we know that the wild can score that amount of goals now it's you know you you don't want to have to put on your bets to score five goals every game because you know especially in the playoffs that's just not going to happen and i mean because on the flip side when you we look at what Kapokakin has done basically every aside from the last two starts where he's had like an 890 and a 909 every game last 15 games before that in that season every night he had at least like a 925 930 save percentage every night and obviously you can't expect any goaltender probably to keep that up over the whole season but yeah no it's it, it's i don't know it's i guess it's just not really an answer i mean with the stats you pulled out there it's just uh it's either got to be maybe just a mental or confidence thing or just maybe it's just who he is too at this point at his age yeah and it's, maybe it's, it's just such an inconvenient time, too, because like we talked, when we're advocating yeah. for Kakinen, you want both these guys to be going because you need him. You can't play Kakinen every mm-hmm. game from now to the playoffs. You're no. going to destroy the guy. We need Talbot mm-hmm. to be good, and like we don't need him to be great. We just need him to be good and give us a chance, and I just feel like you know, in these losses, he hasn't really even given us a chance, and maybe that's on the defense. There's been injuries and different things, but the reality is, is if, as an NHL goalie can't consistently give up four or more goals a game, like Good goalies don't do that, regardless of how piss poor the defense is playing in front of them. Yeah, I mean, every player goes through struggles, and you don't want to see him struggle. I mean, he is calm, cool, collected. He's owning up to you know his play lately, and and hopefully we see him turn it around. I mean, you see other players that have kind of gone through the same thing this year. I mean. You don't want your goalie to go through it, but I mean, early in the season, we'll kind of probably touch on this later. But like Fiala struggled and. You know, different players struggle at different times, and I, I, I think with the struggles, you do want to keep throwing them in starts. But I think we need to start looking at seeing what Kakinen can do with maybe like a sixty forty or seventy thirty workload, and and uh, you know, hope Talbot gets it back. I think he will. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm trying to take the optimistic road, but uh, I think it's time to see what Kakinen can do with with more starts. Yeah, I think. I think you guys mentioned you mentioned Justin with, uh, or both you guys said with um, him. Obviously, even in games this year, he's been probably far from the reason you know they've lost. He's said, "Oh, I should have had that one." I think, obviously, that's good to, you know, that's it's always good to hear because it's not saying that Devin Dubnik was a bad teammate or a bad guy or anything, but he always kind of seemed to have more of the attitude. Oh, this or that happened, and that's why that. Yeah, or he'd be looking at the ref, you know, looking for goalie interference or something. Yep, breaking his stick on the post, slashing somebody. So. <laughs> I think that's, you know, that's the, like like you said, Justin, I think that's the one good thing here is, uh, you know, the attitude is at least not just, oh, woe is me, you know. It's, yeah, okay, yeah the, the press conference was great where he took some ownership and said, yeah, you know, those are some that I got to have. And um, <clears throat> again, I don't want this to be we're shitting on Cam Talbot. And maybe it's felt right, like that no. at times. It's just like, it's been a little frustrating. I think he gets it. I think mm-hmm. the team gets it. And for us, it's just, hey, let's. Know, let's let's give Kakinen a little more workload. You know, maybe it's two starts for him to every Talbot's one mm-hmm. until Talbot finds his groove again. Then he can go back to you know some sort of alternate. Maybe it's two two or something around there. But um, until Kakinen or excuse me, until Talbot kind of proves that 
to me, that's what you got to do. I mean, you still got to win games. I mean, yeah, you're you're yeah. probably from in a playoff spot, but you want to you want to keep the momentum going. You want to beat these bad teams, and these next three games are going to be tough. You've got a Toronto team who I believe is on a three or four game losing streak right now. They've lost their last two games to some not great opponents in um, Montreal and Columbus, both on the yeah. road. They're coming back home, so I can guarantee you they're going to be coming out. Guns a-blazing tomorrow, and then you get uh, Calgary back-to-back Saturday and then Tuesday um, in home and homes. Um, they've won 10 in a row, have Vancouver tomorrow, so it could be 11 in a row. I mean, they're, um, no pun intended, on fire right now, um, <laughs> playing some real good hockey. So the Wild need to figure it out. they got to be ready because they're not going to be easy games. Um, but mm-hmm. one area that could help them and that has helped them, we're going to talk positive stuff, um, is the power play. I mean, I don't think it's a coincidence that this power play has really taken off um, in in co- coinciding with uh, Matt Boldy being added to the mix. Um, obviously, it's in all the first unit, but since Matt Boldy has been called up, so uh, January 6th, the Wild have, let's see, I'm going to count quick, 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 11, 14... And three is 17 goals in, I think Mm -hmm. it's less than that game-wise. Might be pretty close, like 15 games. Like basically a power play goal a game since he's been called up. They had a stretch there um, where they had power play goals in five straight games. Um, They have uh, six in their last five. Like the power play's been red hot. And it hasn't, you know, obviously that first unit's been getting a lot of the work done. But, you know, the second unit's been getting chances as well. Um which is such a stark difference from the beginning of the year. Um, obviously, we, we heckled on Justin for it, who you know was a believer in this power play from the start. Um, what he didn't mean is they're going to have a top five power play from the turn of the new year to the end of the season. That, that's what I meant to say. I just <laughs> didn't add that in. <laughs> but no, like like you mentioned, I mean, I wrote down what we've done the past thirteen games. I won't really say it all because i'm basically repeating what you said but one nah, go for it. You, have, you have the number numbers go for it i'll say in the last one two three four five games where we've kind of had a tough stretch that's been one of the bright spots we've gone six for 17 which is 35 percent i mean yeah three of them were against detroit but we scored a couple against florida one against edmonton then in the past 13 games we're 12 for 36 which is 33%. That's still a rocking power play. Yeah, so you're looking if you're getting so. three power plays a game which in theory yeah. you should, you're going to score right. once on like that's yep. that's great. Which is good because I mean we we excel 5 versus 5 and if you add a power play goal here and there that just helps. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, and I mean I think for sure because I mean, we a lot of us will remember uh, you know watching the World Juniors a couple of years ago and even just in college and in the minors how good Boldy was in the power play just kind of off the side there and behind the net and I mean obviously he scored that nice kind of high tip goal and that pass from Matt Zuccarello in his hat trick game and he had a, another good pass to Joel Erickson that camped out up front in that same game later on and I mean I think I think you're right Brett that's obviously been uh, huge and I mean even. You know, this has been said a few times, but the fact that he came in and kind of, you know, that bumped in a way Kevin Fiala down to the second unit, I suppose. And, you know, that's not really, it's not affected him in any way. I mean, he's, like you guys said, he's gone out there. The, you know, they pretty much can split out, even though their top unit is their best, they've, you know, pretty much can basically, you know, full split it. I mean, sometimes even the second unit will 
get the first shot at it because they've been, you know, like you guys said, doing, even when they're not scoring, they're at least generating chances because early in the year and even parts of last year when, you know, they're struggling is, I mean, they just could not get the puck into the zone even and get set up until, you know, you're a minute into the, into the power play there. So, and I think, I think, like you said, Justin, you know, not as many call, penalties called in the playoffs, but, you know, when they are, that can usually be the difference if you get a big goal or two late on there. So, yeah, no, it's, uh, I mean, obviously, it's they're probably not going to keep scoring at 30% or whatever. No one ever does over a season, really, pretty much. But uh, if, you know, it's obviously it just seems they're, they're very confident right now. And, I mean, you know, as we know with everything, just a little bit of confidence once you, you know, start to succeed can go a long way. Yeah, and I think on top of it, too, the other thing I think is important to look at as the Wild did get Jared Spurgeon back after missing yes. you know, whatever it was, nine, ten games there. And his, I think, stability, being able to quarterback that power play, too, has really helped. But I think for me, the other th- you know, we talked about, you know, I guess like the next question is, yes, Matt Bowles been added to that unit, but what else has been different, you know, when you've moved mm-hmm. Kevin Fiala? I think it's twofold. And I think the first, I think LaPan has talked about this a lot, is it gets you a legit scoring threat on the second unit with Fiala, a guy that likes to shoot, a guy that's going to shoot. But I think how that changes the dynamic from the, you know, taking him off the first unit, putting Bully there is Bully's more of that dual threat. Fiala probably, I don't even think probably, I, I'm thinking it's safe to say he's the best shooter on the team. He's the legit sniper. He's the guy that's going to pick corners, um, likes to shoot the puck a lot. Kaprizov probably a very close second. Where Matt Boley comes in, he's got he's got a deceptive shot um, where you have to respect the shot, but he's also so creative with his passes. He seems to mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. always know where an open guy is. And not to say, I don't think Fiala quite has that passing ability that Boldy has. And I think teams have to recognize, too, like, all right, this guy might shoot, but he also might find a streaking Kaprizov or, you know, find a mm-hmm. soft dish to, to up top to Spurgeon or someone. They have to honor that a little bit more. And I think just being able to have two units that can have – you know, legitimate threats has been the other thing that's really helped boost. And I've just loved to see, I think just the confidence that Matt, you know, both that Matt Boldy's shown, the coaches have shown him to go out there and, you know, hey, try to make plays. You know, if you, if you screw up, mm-hmm. you know, we'll coach you through it, but we're not going to sit you on the bench, you know, the way that a rookie might have been in the past under, uh, you know, under someone like Bruce Brujo who really favored those veterans. And I think that's been huge for his development to just be able to go out there, try, you know, play his game and continue to build confidence. And it's resulted in, you know, a point per game pace. And I think, you know, we've, you know, we, we're, we're going to advocate obviously, but you know, if he continues this, he had, he's going to have to be in the call the trophy conversation um, come June. Yeah. And, and kind of going back to what you said about playing the young players in those spots, it's good to see, of course, Baldy there, but, I know he hasn't been here up here much, but it's good to see them throw guys like Addison in there too. Absolutely. Where he's going to be the future of power uh, quarterback in the power play, and you can see how smooth he is and how well he moves the puck, and you can just kind of see what the future is going to be too. Yeah, I think being able to have Spurgeon and Addison quarterback your power play one and two and threats like Fiala, you know, Zuccarello, Kaprizov, Boldy, Rossi probably next year like it's going to give you two really threatening units which which is exciting because I don't think any point that I can remember have the wild had two power play units like all right I'm scared like yeah, and I think yeah. next year for sure they could very well potentially have that if everything goes well which means obviously it's going to go like over 50 to start the year yeah, right <laughs> or I won't I won't say we'll be a top five power play and we'll yeah. become a top five power play like i'm the reverse jinx in, in terms of that absolutely <laughs> bottom five 
Um, well, let's before we kind of get into a little game here at the end um, for our last little segment, let's talk a little bit about Kevin Fiala. Um, obviously, our podcast has been high on Kevin from the start. Um, we've talked him up. We've said to be patient. We've advocated to get better line mates. And he just continues to light it up. We're going to bring back an old segment, our uh, good old Reacting to Russo segment. Um, if you haven't read it yet, there's a great article on The Athletic, um, I believe. Russo did along with Dom Lechizian, um analyzes Shana, right? what it would take. It might have been Shannon Goldman as well. It might have been all three yeah. of them, yeah. Um, just kind of breaking down you know, what might it take to re-sign Kevin Fiala. And I don't really want to dive into that per se just because um, – there's so much speculation and okay if this happens and this has to happen and we'll get into that that's that's off-season chatter because that's when all this would happen but I just want to kind of get your guys opinion on you know what do you think they should do with Fiala and just do you think what he's bet what he's done basically since Boldy has arrived is sustainable do you think it's one of those bender hot streaks where you know eventually he cools off is it somewhere between where do you see this kind of projecting it out long-term? I mean, personally, I think every player cools off, but I think we legitimately have a first line, second line. Zuccarello, like Kaprizov, that, that's our version of Zuccarello, Kaprizov on the second line. I don't think it's by any mistake that those two have chemistry. And mm-hmm. I mean, Ken, oops, sorry, that's my table falling on me almost. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I mean, Kevin will, will tell you that, you know, he, just one snippet I remember is we didn't have great line mates and this is what we've been preaching all along, get him some line mates and, and he'll do things like this. Yeah. He struggled out the gate to score three goals in his first 25 games. But I mean, since Boldy's came, what, what is it? 21 points in 17 games since Boldy's mm-hmm. I mean, been recalled. I mean, 12, 12 game point streak in that, that period, 10 of them were when Boldy were back. And I mean, for starting off with three goals, first 25 games, Per Tony, uh, on 10K ranks, he's on pace for 29 goals. I mean, I think he's one of those players that you can't replace. I don't think there's very many players that we have in our system right now or via free agents or anything that can replace what Kevin does. Yeah, it's uh, it's tough because, I mean, like you said, Justin, I think it really helps a team to have you know two legitimate scoring lines, and I think most of the uh, you know actually legitimate contenders will have that because, I mean, as we saw – against Vegas last year when they focused on the Kaprizov line and shut them down. I mean, the Wild still competed, but at that point, it's, uh, you know, shut those down as one guys, and, you you know, you probably have a good chance to win, whereas, you know, now if the teams try that either line, that'll leave, you know, either Fiala or Boldy, Zuccarello, et cetera, you know, open to, to, to do what they can do. And, I mean, obviously, I, you know, it's kind of tough. I, I agree with you guys. I don't want to see him go. I would like to see him be re-signed. I mean, obviously – you know, as Brett said, there's a lot of complicated uh, issues with money, and obviously that'll be the determining factor because you know it's really you don't really know exactly what he's going to be asking for, you know, length of deal, etc. But I, I do think uh, he's not really the kind of guy you can replace. And I mean, you know, you might you got guys like you know Adam Beck in the system or whatever, but I mean he's still pretty young, and you know even any guy in the system you have, bet the chances that they turn into a player like Kevin Fiala, regardless of how good they are, is you know, not very great. And I think with obviously with their, you know, dead cap that's coming up and they're going to need to shed some players, I think it would make it a lot easier to contend and actually have a chance at winning if he was still on the team. But it, it still just seems that obviously, you know, like like, he, like Brett mentioned with chemistry with Boldly, maybe that starts to change their mind and they 
try to make it work. But it for some it just seems has seemed like for a while that you know we've had with Kevin Fiala we've had this debate too about okay do you keep here him or Matt Dumba and from the tone of the end of Russo's article and just history it seems like maybe that Bill Guerin might be taking in his mind to have the thought of okay he's been great and I you know I could keep him but that also means I could get more for him if I were to trade him so but obviously no I I in short I I don't want to see him go I think uh, he's uh, I think he's vital I mean he's still only 25 26 so I think he's bit pretty vital to the next five you know next three four years of this team's chances of continuing to be a year in year out contender yeah for me if you plan on getting Matt Boldy here long term then you need to extend Kevin Fiala alongside with him. Um, My opinion can change if the chemistry all of a sudden vanishes, but I think you just watch the way, you know, much like Kaprizov and Zuccarello seem to think the game the same way, those two do the same thing. And it's in a much different way. I think it's more, you know, those two are going to, Kaprizov and Zuccarello are looking to make the prettiest play possible and make as many passes as they Mm -hmm. can and, and tap in where I think, Matt Boldy and Kevin Fiala are, we're going to attack the hell out of you off the rush. We're going to make one pass and we're going to undress your whole team. One of us is going to draw two of your defensemen over. I'm going to hit the other guy and he's going to go in and score. I mean, we've seen it so many times already with Matt Boldy, you know, getting to the middle of the ice, creating that space for Fiala. I think Boldy's presence to create space down low as well. And I don't think it matters who you really put in the middle. I mean, Freddie Goudreau, I think, has basically been about a point per game over this stretch as well he's looked fine there I think if you can find a slight upgrade there like a Marco Rossi whether that's this year or next I think that only enhances what they can do but I just don't know how you can look at how important that secondary scoring has been to this team and think well we're gonna roll the dice on a Rossi Goudreau Fiala line or maybe Adam Beckman can fill in there like to me, that just is so much more question when you look at, like, hey, Kalen Addison can be some of what Matt Dumba is. Maybe he doesn't quite have the defensive propensity, but we also haven't seen him consistently get NHL minutes yet. He's got whatever, 10, 10 career NHL games in it. But, I, you know, we've talked, but we think he's ready. And you're going to have to give somewhere. And to me, when you have Spurgeon, when you have Rodin, you've locked down Merrill, you've locked down Kulikov for another year. I think that's to me it just it, it makes too much sense to keep that secondary scoring. But yeah. it'll be interesting to say the least. But I I just think when you find chemistry like that to bank on being able to replicate that with somebody else, it's too risky to me. And I think if you lose that secondary scoring, um, it's it's gonna hurt. And you're gonna feel it more than if you mm-hmm. have a slightly deplete not depleted but a slightly less strong second defensive pairing. Yeah, right. I think, I think. Well, sorry, Justin, but no, I was just gonna say, uh, I just think, you know, maybe it's a an issue of maybe a, you know, Garen and and his, uh, you know, his in uh, his front office. Maybe they just want to see this, you know, those two guys work together a little bit more than obviously than just you know fifteen twenty games. So hopefully, sure. you know, they can, you know, if they keep this up, uh, you know, for another thirty five games of the year and into the playoffs, I would. You know, at the very least, it's going to make a pretty hard decision because, you know, it seems like the beginning of this year, it seemed like despite, you know, before we knew of this chemistry these do have and just in general, even though we didn't like it, it seemed that it was kind of a foregone conclusion for like a year that uh, he was going to get traded after the season. But I mean, yeah, no, I I don't know. Like you said, I think I think the inconsistency is just part of his game. I think he's a high end scorer. He's not you know, the superstar that Kreisov is, where even when he plays pretty bad, he'll still have be contributing to a couple goals in the game. 
But at the same time, if, if you know, if you're inconsistent and streaky and still scoring at a 70 point pace every year that, you know, it's kind of hard to rip on you too much. And that's elite second line really production. Diminish. Yeah. Me, so. yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> and I'll add to that. I think something that's invaluable maybe being missed here is uh, they wanted him to grow his game. And what does he do? He grows his game. He's on the penalty kill and yeah, seems yeah. to do well there most nights. So he's, you know, the maturity he's had this yeah. year has been unreal. Right. So, I mean, yeah, power play too. He's on the, the penalty kill, adding that to his repertoire. And, you know, seeing what he does with Boldy, I, I don't think uh, many players can replace that, like we've already said. Yeah, and I, Justin, that's a great point, just the maturity aspect. Because, I mean, you look at, hey, we're calling up this rookie. We're taking you off the first power play unit. And not only does he be like, hey, anything for the team, he goes as far to, hey, I'm going to take this kid under my wing and be a mentor to him. Like, he yeah. totally could have been like, I, you know, I loathe this guy. I can't believe they're kicking me out of my spot. And instead he says, nope, I'm going to, you know, just go out there and just continue to dominate, not change a thing. And I just think, I don't think Kevin Fiala of old does that. And I think, you know, Dean Evison's played hard with them, but the maturity he's shown, Justin, you said the expanded roles, I think the defense has improved. Obviously there's propensity for turnovers here and there, but just the maturity he's shown. And I, I think... To me, like my gut says, Kevin Fiala is thinking to himself, man, if I could lock myself down here with this guy, this team, a coach I respect, a GM I respect, maybe it is worth me to take $750 million, maybe even a million less than what I get in the market for a chance to play with someone I know I have chemistry with and to win a Stanley Cup and you know anchor myself right. in, in a city for an extended period of time. So I really do think it might be, and I people mocked me when I said it from the start, but I do think they can get him under seven million if they pull out the term to seven, eight years. And I, right. at this point, I think I would do it. Right. But uh, well, you're seeing all these other guys kind of take these team friendly contracts. Uh, hopefully, he's another one. I mean, mm-hmm. there's a different culture around here than than I've felt in the past. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, and I think uh, just lastly for me, I think uh, I think it was in that article today or yesterday or whatever from Russo where he said. You know, obviously, Boldy's a rookie. He hasn't played much, but he either said, you know, he's based, Kevin is basically the best player or one of that I've ever played with, you know, in my short career. And, uh, you know, obviously, you know, it speaks volumes. I mean, as you can see, every time they seem to talk about each other, you know, the face seems to light up. They, you know, it's just, I don't know. It's just, like you guys said, it's, uh, it would be a, it'd be a shame to see him go after playing just basically three partial seasons here. Absolutely. All right, we got just a couple minutes left here, so let's do a quick game before we sign off. Um, we are going to do, um, for the listeners of the shows that have been around for a while, last year we did um, a, 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 a mutual Colorado fan friend. Not all Colorado fans are bad. We do, we do love, um, I believe, Flo as they go by on Twitter, um, at Big Val's Tattoos. They invented a game. Uh, last year where you take three NHL players, you know, in the fuck, Mary kill, and it's been rebranded to um, mm-hmm. player agent, uh, or excuse me, real estate agent, analyst, or coach. We'll do uh, just two here. Um, let's go. I'll, uh, I'll go with the rookies first. Um, we'll have you guys say if it's a coach, an analyst, or a player agent, and we'll go with Kalen Addison, Marco Rossi, and Matt Boldy. It, what are the three? A coach, coach, analyst, analyst, player agent, a real estate agent. Sorry, real estate agent. 
I think uh, I've always enjoyed Boldy's interviews. I think he could be the analyst. Uh, I feel like between what Russo writes with his interviews and what we see at game pressers, it, it, that that's that suits him well. Coach, but we're on Addison and Rossi. Yep, I'd, I'd have to go with Rossi as the coach because he's—I mean—he's been through so much and worked so hard. I, I think he can really provide some valuable insight in terms of the right things to do. And then uh, Addison with that stash—I mean, he could sell the house, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> Zeke, do you agree? Do you differ? Uh, yeah, no, I agree. I think you know Ross coach was like just so that was my first thought. Just as you mentioned, it was not only with his struggles, but with his just you know background of with his dad driving back and forth into Switzerland for his entire childhood to play hockey. It just seems you know obviously you know, a person is different, but it just seems like the kind of person who would appreciate that. And I think I think Justin's right too with Addison as the the uh, the, the real estate agent. I saw that you know the mustache and the hair just uh, had screams personality and selling right away. So. <laughs> Yeah, no, I'd have, I'd have to agree with you on all of those. <laughs> See, I'd go a little different. I think I'd put Addison as the analyst because if he grows that hair out and that stash, that, yeah. Oh, yeah. I could picture him just being like the, uh, the, the, the comedic relief, like a Bruce Burjo type on, on air. Oh, yeah. um, Matt Bowley, the real estate, you know, kind of the friendly guy. Like, he'll be your bud and yeah. maybe not mm-hmm. the most electric personality, but could definitely sell you a house. But I'm right with you. I think Rossi just, you know, the hockey IQ um, just naturally translates uh, into a coach. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so that's where we're at with the rookies, with uh, with uh, Boldy, Rossi, and Addison. Let's go next to an iconic line. Let's go to the Grief Squad. Um, maybe we we might have done this one the first one, but I think it's been far enough. Maybe we can reflect, or maybe opinions have changed. But uh, real estate agent, coach, analyst, Drew Eriksonek, Jordan Greenway, Marcus Foligno, Justin. We're going to you first. All right. Well, I, I definitely think the analyst has to go to Marcus Foligno. Yeah. He's always a good interview, great personality. We'll say how it is. Just awesome person. Uh, coach, man, I, I'd I'd have to go with Mister October. He, he's yeah. he's uh, maybe the hardest worker on the team. Can really be able to push guys and train guys well. I think he's a smart player, two way. Uh, I think he'd be able to do well in that position then greenway real estate agent just because he's the third one there <laughs> i don't yeah, know see, I, went out. I would just like jordan give me the coach like all right guys uh good practice today uh go grab some dominoes on your way home and we'll see yeah. you tomorrow <laughs> here's how you dolphin dive to trip someone no i'm just kidding <laughs> I, I don't know i just I, no, I, I yeah. agree I, I think that's the only right answer for these three zeke do you do you disagree no. at all no, not not at all. I mean, like you said, it's kind of a uh, with, with with Jordan. It's like you know, I think you know, real estate agent. I guess you know, when you think selling, I think personality, and you know, he has a personality. I don't know how you know. Uh, a- that would be at selling, that, but, but uh, yeah, yeah. Who knows? But I don't think he's a. I don't think he's a coach, like you said, Brad. You just don't get that vibe. Yeah, for me, it's like you could probably interchange Felino and Greenway to an extent, but like. Sure. To put yeah. Eric Sinek anywhere else but coach, just like it doesn't feel like it would work. Like I just no, he he seems too quiet to me. Either to one sell a house or just to be on TV. He'd be just like, <laughs> yeah, thought they played a good period. Get or he'd just be like good sticks at st- at, at practice. He'd be like again. Yeah, he'd be a yeah. again. <laughs> 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 
Yep. All right. Uh, let's do one more here. Oh, man. Um, <laughs> I have to think of a third one. Um, let's do, like, former Minnesota Wild fan favorites. Um, so we'll go with Nino okay. Niederreiter, Miko Koivu, mm-hmm. and Jason Zucker. Um, Zeke, since Justin's their last one, we'll go back to you here. Yeah, well, I think, first of all, I mean, he already is a coach, but I would have to put Miko as the coach. You know, again, like Marco Rossi, the hockey IQ, the, the you know, the steely-eyed face, you know, looks, looks dead serious, doesn't give away too much, just seems to be, you know, that just seems to be, you know, the two-way player, great defensively and all that. Um, I feel like he'd you know, be a for, really similar coach to Dean Evason. Yeah. Like, kind of the tough thing. love, but, like, <laughs> At the same time, mm-hmm. like a little bit of a leash, like willing to coach you. Like if things are going well, he's gonna tell you. But if things suck, he's gonna be in your grill and you're gonna learn from it. But uh, I feel like there could be a lot of mm-hmm. similarities between Everson and Miko. I don't know why. It just that's what my gut says. Yeah. Do you do you think he'd be uh, one of those coaches that punches his uh, assistants? I don't <laughs> think he'd be quite that animated. No. No, not F- that. Felino as a coach might. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I don't. The last two, it's you know these with Nino and Zucker, it's kind of a little bit like I'm trying to think. I don't know. I guess I would put Zucker as the real estate agent. I don't know. It just seems like he's got. I don't know. He seems to be involved and in, was obviously involved in the community a lot. And I don't know. He just seems to be kind of a in a way more of a people person, maybe more outwardly and all that. But and then obviously I, then I don't know. I just put Nino's analyst because the last one left. I don't know. He doesn't. You know, he seems, I guess I don't, I don't think too much, but he seems to be more kind of a hockey player, not too quiet. But, uh, yeah, I, guess, I don't know. That one's a little more tough for me. Justin, are you in agreement there? Would you go something different? I definitely agree with uh, Koivu as the coach, so I'd, I'd stick with that for the same reasons as Zeke said. Uh, I'll just switch it up. I, th- I think Nino could be the real estate agent. You know, he's got that, that charm, the good looks, the kind of the personality that could sell you something. And then uh, Zucker, I, I feel like he could be an analyst. He's, I felt like he was usually pretty good. Pretty good interview. I mean, he does all these things like give sixteen is good at. Uh, yeah, I, I just think he could be an analyst on TV with with his personality. I think I'd lean slightly towards Zeke with my answer with with Zucker as the uh, as the real estate agent and Nino as the as the analyst. I think just from a way they, oh, the way Nino thinks the game, I think might be a little more yeah. technical, but. I think definitely interchangeable there. Um, is there a group of three either of you want to want to run by us us here, or uh, do you guys want to move on and uh, get, get wrapped up here and uh, wrap up the show? Honestly, I was thinking Kaprizov, Zuccarello, Fiala might be a fun trio to do. Just like the soup, the stars. Oh man! <laughs> Let you do this one first, Brett, since we've gone first. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like when you look as good as Kevin Fiala does, you gotta be the real estate agent. Um, yep. Like, just like the the attractiveness, like Kevin Fiala. Like, I don't care how you identify. Kevin Fiala is a good looking dude. No one's gonna deny that. He's a good looking fella, um, and I think he could he could just use that to help you know just lay on the charm, help you. You know, you should, yeah, I think this is a great house for you. Um, man, coach or analyst between Kaprizov and Zuccarello. Um, I think I'd have to do Zucker. Man, <laughs> that's a tough one, isn't it? 
Are we assuming and operating under the assumption that Kirill Kaprizov can speak enough English to do either? Yeah, that's true. Well, he could be a Russian analyst. All right, I think okay. I'll put Kirill as the analyst because I feel like there's like a pretty like hilarious personality in there that could really come out. Like you've, I mean, we've seen the little quirky stuff. I think his his laugh, and I think you know, as good as a player as he is, to you know, kind of you know, not to put him on the same pedestal as Wayne Gretzky, but to kind of bring that insight into a really skilled player becoming an analyst and just being able to share the insight from that game. And then Zook being the coach, I think you just look at, you know, I think I see him as maybe like a Rod Brindamore type of coach where he's really well respected by the players, um, knows when to be rough on him, but I think just a likable guy, a guy that, you know, a successful career, you know, that never a poor thing is said about, you know, a guy that, you know, goes back to a Minnesota Wild team or some, you know, Rangers or somewhere he played and becomes a very beloved coach by both the players and the fans. That's a tough one, though. Yeah, I would, I think I pretty much agree with you. I mean, the one thing I thought with Zuccarello was, uh, you know, listen to Rooster recently. Apparently, he's not a huge fan of talking to the media out of all the guys on the team. And uh, Rooster was joking, he was making jokes about it. So, you know, I don't know. Maybe he's kind of the more typical hockey player. I think that, like, he doesn't love the, you know, the spotlight from that point of being on TV and, you know, being on set and being shoved into a camera saying talk. But I'll get, you know, it will say the one thing he does seem to tell it like it is whenever he does talk. Kind of like fleeing in the way, but yeah, no, I agree with, I agree with you on that one, Brett. And I mean, like you said, with Kaprizov, just you know that you know in all these videos, I don't know if it's because he's nervous because he doesn't want to say anything wrong in English, <laughs> but like you mentioned, he is always smiling, giggling, pretty much saying everything. So yeah, no, I think those are good choices. Yep, I agree. I I, I can definitely see that that personality out of Kaprizov in a way. Then with Zuccarello, I feel like he'd be even though Garen's a GM, he'd be in a similar situation where he's played on a few different teams and been traded and uh, gone through injuries, whatnot. I, I think he'd make a good coach in that, that aspect. And yeah, I, I can't disagree with Fiala as the real estate agent. It's the good looks and yeah. Charm. Yeah. Yeah. He could do it. <laughs> trying to, trying to negotiate contracts a few different times and yeah. trying to negotiate house contracts, whatnot. <laughs> Brings the pup along with him just for yeah. the extra added charm. Uh <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's a good spot for us to wrap up. Uh, big thanks always to at Big Val's Tattoos for the idea. I think it creates a fun exercise. Um, let us know if you do any different. Um, but I think this is a good place to wrap up for today. Um, as we mentioned, big, big week coming up for the Wild. They have Toronto and Calgary twice before we're hoping to record next Wednesday. Um, weren't able to get Sam on the show, um, so we will recap the last it'll be two weeks for the white caps they're off this weekend when uh, she rejoins us next week so we'll save all that talk for then because we want to get her her insight versus just reading off the scores which we know you can do we want to get a little more deep dive Mm -hmm. into that but um let's uh before we wrap up here as we always do uh zeke any uh final thoughts for you here before we wrap up uh i mean no i can't really think of anything particular just uh you know just Hoping, you know, obviously for the road trip would have been great to, uh, they got the first one in Edmonton, obviously it would have been great to get the win in Ottawa too, to get the two easy games out of the way. But I would, you know, obviously you'd like to win both of these upcoming games, but I think uh, just, you know, hoping for, you know, like you said, Brett earlier, a little more complete effort just and come out strong instead of, you know, waiting till, you know, you're kind of behind the dial to, uh, you know, really ramp it up. And hopefully, you know, at the very least, if Wild can steal one of these two games on the road in Toronto and Calgary, they think that would be a, you know, a satisfying end to the road trip before they head back home. Right. 
Justin, yeah, any final thoughts? I'll just kind of add to that a little bit. Just it's a long season. There's ebbs and flows. I mean, yeah, we're in a little bit of an ebb now. It, you know, the flow is going to come again. Kind of got to be patient and, and stick it through. Uh, I, I, yeah, I agree. We got to win at least one of these games between Toronto and Calgary. Maybe a little confidence booster, considering how good those teams are. And then, uh, yeah, just thanks for joining us for 69 nice episodes of this podcast. I can't believe we're already <laughs> 69 in. It's crazy. <laughs> Uh, about a year and a half of this crap now. Um, yeah, right. Rambling. Um, one thing we really didn't hit on, <laughs> hit as kind of our final thought. One thing to monitor here over these next couple couple days, couple games, there have been, sounds like a couple of players banged up. Obviously, Zuccarello sat out last game. Mm-hmm. Sounds like there's a good chance he returns tomorrow. Um, sounds like Jordan Greenway, who got injured um, in the last game, was out kind of for 10 minutes of the, I think the second came back, played in the third. It doesn't sound like they're optimistic. Um, he will play. Um, in the event that Zuccarello doesn't go, they have recalled Mason Shaw, um, which is a little weird to me. I, to, to me, if you know you knew Zuccarello was going to be, I maybe would have recalled like an Adam Beckman, maybe someone more offensively minded. Mm-hmm. Um, but perhaps they're looking to elevate other guys. Maybe a Bugstead, who we could probably could have talked about him a little bit too, but um, he's looked real good um, since returning to the lineup as well. Um, but just things to monitor. We'll see how the injuries play out. Hoping this team, you know, stays relatively healthy and that nothing's too serious. Sounds like Eck and Felino might be, both be a little banged up too, um, among others. So we'll see how that plays out. But um, obviously something that we thought could be possible, uh, you know, with whatever it was, the 44 games in 77 or 40 games in 77 days, whatever insane yeah. number that it was. I, I do want to add that uh, another guy that I, I wouldn't mind seeing getting a call up I meant to bring this up earlier, but uh, Mitchell's chafy. He's yeah. playing really well down in Iowa. He's got like, what is it, uh, eleven points in his last nine games. He's just playing really well. So he, nope. I know Mason Shaw got the call, but just Beckman's an option. I think Chafee's an option. Just Rossi, of course. But I think yeah, with injuries on wings, you're not going to recall Rossi. Right. I don't think so. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, Zeke. Where can everybody find you and all of your work? Uh, you know, as usual, uh, as always, you can find me on Twitter at Zeke Wyatt. Uh, Z and the B are capitalized, and you can find all my written work at tenkeerinks.com. Uh, and Justin, uh, you can find me at D East two thousand four. You can find me at Kaprizov C with the Kaprizov Countdown. You can find me at MNW Prospects at MNW Young Guns. And as always, you can find me on Twitter at B underscore Marsh 92. Be sure you are following the podcast account as well, both on Twitter and Instagram at Sound the Foghorn. All one word. Uh, tons of great stuff coming at you here. We've got a really cool guest lined up for later in the month in advance of the NCAA hockey tournament. That should be a fun episode. So get that one on your calendars. Late March should be a fun one. Won't reveal who that is until we record. It'll be a surprise. Um, we've got some cool, uh, I know there's some cool stuff going on in the Minnesota wild podcast community locked on wilds, putting together, um, a fun little, uh, interactive event on Twitter. I think that fans will enjoy. Um, so stay tuned for that as well. Lots of fun stuff coming your way. So stay on your Twitter feeds for the latest and all of that. Uh, like we said, three big games for the wild coming up Calgary twice, Toronto tomorrow night before we record next. Hoping that when we come back, we'll be talking about some wins and not losses. But until then, this has been another episode of 